Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capsule Rx Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, Dr. Jovan Lazo, and I'm here with a very special guest, someone that Alex was able to hook us up with, um, Dr. Sherry Allen. How are you today? I am doing amazing. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to do this. Yes, we're excited to have you. Um, we've been following your content on social media. Um, her Instagram, uh, her Instagram is at mental uh, at mental ect farmd. Correct. Mentalect. 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 Uh, farmd. Um, definitely check that out, everybody that's listening. And um, we saw a lot of impressive content about mental health and. Um, that was something that we felt like you could come on, provide some great information on mental health and kind of the things that you go through, um, in your practice and kind of share with us today. So that way we, as pharmacists, as healthcare uh, professionals, we could just be better at dealing with patients or maybe colleagues with mental health. So to kind of start off today, can you give us a brief introduction about yourself for our audience? Sure, sure. Um, so again, my name is Dr. Allen. I am technically, I am, well, not technically, I am, (laughs) I'm an associate professor at, um, PCOM school of pharmacy in Swanee, Georgia. So it's, it's maybe like 20 minutes outside of Atlanta. Um, so I've been at the school now for 11 years, but through my school, I get to work in outpatient mental health at the Atlanta VA. And I've been doing that for maybe, six or seven years before that I did inpatient psych at a different hospital here in Georgia. Um, so in it, I, by definition, I guess I call myself a clinical mental health pharmacist. So I did residency. Um, I'm board certified and I tell patients as a pharmacist, I know a bunch about medications, but I know the most about mental health meds. Um, and so that's what I do. I get to teach our students and patients and anyone that's willing to listen. I get to teach them all about mental health and how to treat it. Perfect. And then what, where did you go to residency at? I did it. Um, so it's through the university at Buffalo, but then the hospital that I was at was, um, the Buffalo psych center up in Buffalo, New York. So I did two years of residency, both of them, um, in Buffalo. Was the first year more general and the second year focused on um, psychiatry? Kind of, sort of. So (laughs) I, I mean, I will tell you the complete truth. I love my residency experience. Like would not have changed it for anything. Mm Kind of. There, there is like a, I would have changed it if this, but I'll tell you about that. So my first year residency, as you know, is supposed to be general, but it was at a psych hospital. And so while Yes, I was doing general rotations because mm-hmm. it was at a psych hospital. That was kind of like the, the precedence or the, the priority was their mental health. Um, so I always tell people that I feel like my first year residency was really a PGY one and a half. And then mm-hmm. my PGY two was more of all like completely all psych. And so the reason why I tell people that, as I say, or I tell people, this is what I would do different for me. It worked out because I love psychiatry. I knew for like, when I graduated pharmacy school, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, but we would always have candidates that would come interview for the position for the P- our PGY one position. And I would tell them, I would say, listen, if you don't know for sure that you want to do psychiatry, I wouldn't recommend you coming here. Mm. Um, because I felt like 
after my PGY one year, because it was at a psych hospital, even though it was a general residency, I felt like if I, for some reason, did not like psych, I was going to have to go do a PGY one at like a non-psych hospital. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, um, me being a resident at Celebration, I'm part of the ambulatory care focus. So we're more amp care focused. We only have, I think it was two rotations in the inpatient side and then an elective where you could do either amp care elective or you could do an inpatient elective. So you don't gain as much inpatient experience as a typical um, general practice residency. So exactly. if, if amp care is like not your thing, then that probably wouldn't be the best one. Or if you're unsure, um, that may not be the best one. It might be better to do the inpatient and then do a rotation in the AM care. Exactly. Exactly. You get it. So it's the yeah. same, it was the same exact thing for me. I, I would tell candidates, like, if you're not for sure that you like psych, it would be mm-hmm. better for you to do a PGY one at a, like a, at a non-psych hospital and then do an elective with us versus mm-hmm. doing your whole PGY one here. So again, I mean, it worked out for me because I like, I love psychiatry, but if you are questioning it, or if you're like, Oh, I kind of like psych, maybe, maybe not. Then I don't know that this would be, it would have been the residency for you. Exactly. Okay. And then, um, for where you're practicing at, because I know a lot of times we use acronyms. And so, um, it's a Philadelphia osteopathic college, college of medicine. Yep. It's so it's the Philadelphia college of osteopathic medicine. And that's, like that's like the school name, but then we have several programs underneath us. So the biggest program is our, um, the DO program or DO students we've got at, on our campus, we have PA, PT, um, biomedical sciences, and then the pharmacy school and the DO school is there too. Okay. So, and it always throws people off. So it's the Philadelphia college of osteopathic medicine, but I've actually never been to the Philly campus. So yeah. there's the Philly campus and then there's the Georgia campus and I work on the Georgia campus. Georgia campus. Okay, perfect. All right. Now we, now we're getting some clarification. I like it. Um, okay. So for my next question for you, how did you come up with the idea for your Instagram page at Mentelect um, Farm D? Okay. So I think we were talking earlier. I have, I have two children and this will make sense why I'm telling you about my kids. I have two children. They are two and a half and one, two boys. And as a result of like me being a new mom, um, or at the time, a new mom, I am in, I am on several like different, like mom, Facebook pages and groups and parenting groups and with very good intention, very good intention. People would always post like on these groups, they would post questions. Like I would, some parent would say like, Hey, you know, I'm experiencing postpartum depression and my doctor put me on this, or I'm experiencing lots of anxiety and my doctor put me on this. What do you guys think? And with, with what I hope is really good intention, people would respond and say, Oh no, 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 no. Lexapro, not a good drug. You should use this instead. Or they would say sertraline, it's amazing, but you should be on this dose or you should do this or tell your doctor to do that. The pharmacist in me is sitting back and I'm cringing. Yep. I'm, yep. I'm cringing and like dying inside. Mm-hmm. And it's because while I totally understand that people have great intentions, it's not easy. It's not that simple to say like, oh, 
you have postpartum depression. Yeah. Just do, do this drug, do Lexapro. You need to know so much more. And so when we're going to the internet and we're saying like, Hey, I have this and people are giving advice and they're not asking more questions because they may not know that they need to ask more questions. Mm -hmm. That would like make me cringe. And some of the advice that they would give is like, Oh, please don't do that. That's actually not correct. So I was just because of that and just because of so many people would talk to me about just not, not really knowing a lot about mental health uh, medications. I wanted to be a place where if people are going to go to social media to think about or talk about or ask about mental health medications, that I could be a reliable source for that. So my, my friend, one of my good friends, she mm-hmm. jokingly said, she's like, you don't want people to go to like random people. You want them to go to, you want to be the random person that they go to, but the random person that they go to when they come to you is actually a pharmacist and knows what they're talking about. I'm like, yes, exactly. Come to me. Don't I, I, I hope I semi know what I'm talking about here. (laughs) Semi. I would say, you know, it just a little bit. I I kind of know what I'm talking about. I've been doing this for, over 10 years now. So yeah. I, I think I, I know something, but I, I, that's my biggest thing. I tell people all day, every day, they're always like, what is your goal for being on men- on social media? Yeah. I don't know. My, my goal is I want to educate people. That's, yeah. that's my passion. I want to educate. Yeah. And, and that's kind of been our passion here with the podcast is just like, we just want to be of service to anybody in the healthcare profession. So yeah. if anything, we, provide can help one person along their journey, then we are happy. Like we don't have an end goal. We're detached from a final outcome. We just yeah. want to help. And we are amazed when people actually text us and like, we know people listen because we can see the numbers, <laughs> but we're like shocked when people text us or message, message us on social media. It's like, oh my gosh, like this episode really helped me. Like, I'm yeah. so glad you guys posted this episode. And I'm sure you probably get the same when it comes to questions because mental health can be a very touchy and private subject for individuals. So they probably don't want to go just anywhere um, or tell anybody that they're going through these things. So they could see what the type of content that you're posting and kind of read upon it and learn from a pharmacist who's educated in the field. I'm sure that helps them tremendously. And you know what? I always tell people. So on my page, I'm always posting like, Hey, send me your questions or send me your concerns, message them to me. Because I want to make sure that I'm posting things that people find beneficial. I mean, I have content that I'm like, okay, you know, this week I'm going to post about this, this, and this, but I will change, change that completely. If somebody sends me and they sends me a message and they're like, Hey, the other week I had someone send me a message that says, can you post something about like Alzheimer's disease? Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Because again, my end game here is. I want to be of service to you. I want to be a place that you can come to and get reliable information about mental health. So you kind of need to help me govern that by telling me what you, what information you want to know more about. Yeah. And would you say that's kind of what your questions and answers posts um, is usually about? Is that like questions that you get from people who either message you, email you? I'm not sure exactly, but do they just message you on IG? Yes. Yes. So most of those come from people messaging me on Instagram or, um, occasionally not at all. Sometimes people in, um, 
in my clinic or like coworkers or something will ask me like questions that I feel like, oh man, these are questions that I think other people should also know about. Yeah. Um, so I'll use them. I'll use them. I've posted a couple of times. I'm uh, my, my colleagues will text me. I usually get at least a text every other day from, from one of them. Cause they work at, um, at a like different hospitals, different sites. Mm-hmm. And I always get texts that are like, they're like, Hey, I have this patient that is going through blah, 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 blah. What yep. should I do about this, this, this? And I'm like, and so I'll answer them. Um, and so I'll use some of those just to kind of show like, here are the types of questions that I get from my colleagues. So, yeah, no. And some of them are definitely helpful. I'm actually going to read off a couple. Um, so this was from yesterday, I believe, right? Friday. Um, so how long does it take for meds to start working and do they all need to be weaned off before discontinuing referencing like antidepressants, antipsychotics, some mood stabilizers, um, benzos and also stimulants. And then, and then let me see the next question was like, can Adderall be used during pregnancy? Mm-hmm. And if SSRI stops working, is it worth revisiting after a few years break? And those are definitely questions to any pharmacy student or, or pharmacist listening that any of your patients can come up and ask you. And one thing I've learned is that uh, mental health or a lot of these psychiatric medications mm-hmm. uh, and also like antipsychotics, like if you don't work in that realm, you really don't know. So usually <laughs> you're going to reach out to your friend. I have a couple of friends at the VA that I know uh, that, that practice in psychiatry. So just like how people reach out to you, I reach out to them like, uh, I was just ask this. What's the correct answer, please? So that's something that definitely I think would be beneficial for anybody to definitely follow your, your Instagram and kind of look out for those questions and answers, because that's definitely helpful. I'm going to read up on that a little bit later today myself, because yeah. um, I've been coming across, I would say, more patients um, on certain medications, um, a lot more like antidepressants or antipsychotics or mood stabilizers. So it's like now I got to rebrush up on all of those topics because that's not a typical thing for me to see. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's the thing is I started off as a page where I was like, this is mainly going to be for everyday people, like the common, just no help, not necessarily having a healthcare background, but it's turned into like a lot of my students follow me and that's fine. A lot of like other, um, healthcare professionals follow me and that's like amazing too. So it's becoming just a place where I hope that anyone can get information. And I, I think what, what I try and do is I try and post it in a way that if you read it, you understand you're a pharmacist, like you get it. But also I want my husband who is not a pharmacist, but he thinks because he's married to me that he is a pharmacist. (laughs) I've heard that a lot. Right. He like, I want, I always run it by him just to say like, Hey, can you read this and tell me if there's any words that don't make sense? Or if, if it just reads easy to you and he'll say, he'll, he'll tell me like, I don't know what that word means. I don't know if the average person will know that. So again, mm-hmm. I try and post in a way where you get it because you are healthcare back. You have like healthcare experience. Yeah. Um, but also the everyday person can also read it and get something from it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the beauty of it because you don't always know who's going to come across your page. So to put it in the most layman terms possible, we always talk about using patient-friendly terminology. Um, at like a fifth grade, um, reading level. So that's like how we want this content to come about. And even, um, on my end, I've learned the same thing where it's like, all right, some topics we need to dumb it down, or maybe we need to make it more colorful, more presentable in a manner that 
whoever reads it, it's just very simple and it doesn't cause more questions <laughs> to come up. Yeah. And that's something that um, I think it's an art and a science like you, you know, you've like you said, you've had to adjust and kind of work on things and have people kind of proofread before you're able to finalize a post to make sure that the content is um, is eligible for anybody to really read and understand. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yes. So that's awesome. Definitely everybody check out at Mental Act um, PharmD. Um, I already follow. I recommend all of my all of my listeners to definitely follow just because trust me, if once you come across these patients with certain medications that you don't know much about, you're going to get some of these questions that she's giving you the answers to. Yeah, so this is the cheat sheet. So please, <laughs> <laughs> please follow. Um, please follow her page and definitely check out her content um, at least at least once a week. And then um, so kind of transitioning from that, I know something you kind of mentioned um, on your Instagram and one of your stories was that you want to be featured as a pharmacist on Good Morning America. What's kind of the story behind that? Listen, so for okay, first of all, do you watch Good Morning America? I do not. I'm uh, I'm a bit I'm different, meaning okay. I don't watch TV. So, okay. yes, okay. I'll, give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that. So because it's just interesting to me how many people don't watch a lot of people don't watch the news but yeah, a lot of people that i asked are like we don't watch good morning america but if you're on it we will watch it yeah. so here's the thing um i watch good morning it's like my morning ritual so i wake up around six every morning start getting ready for work good morning america comes on at seven i i turn it's automatic like automatically turn it on usually it's just in the background and listening to like different things that are happening on there um, so what I noticed on good morning America is they have, they have like experts that come on the show to talk about respond to different things. So they have a lawyer, um, they have Dr. Ashton, she's an OBGYN, but she, um, or she's an OB, but she talks a lot about like the medical story. She'll give commentary on that. Um, I think Dan Abrams is the lawyer and he does a lot of, you know, anytime they have the legal stuff. He talks about yes. that. Um, they've had, sure. they have several different like experts, right? Yeah, Like I'm sure they have like a finance person that, exactly. going down right now that kind of talks about the market and, and different things. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So they have all these experts in my, in my several years of watching this show. I don't know that I've ever seen a pharmacist on the show. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they will talk about like different stories that have, that have, medications is like the main thing that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you know, they do a good job covering it, but I'm like, man, that would be such an ideal space for a pharmacist to come in and be able to teach and educate on that. So it, it GMA, because I like good morning America. I watch it every morning, but mm -hmm. that's like, if, if we talked about having an end goal, uh, before we started recording in an mm -hmm. ideal world, if I could be on Good Morning America, oh my gosh, my day would be made. Let's let's. How can we make that happen? That's I know, question. I know. I so I I've I told people they're like other people support me in this, and they're like, okay, how can we get you on GMA? Yeah, how? And you know what? I'm like, it sounds like corny, and maybe like younger people will have to tell me a better way to do this. But I'm like, I'm just gonna film a video. And I'm going to send it to them. But I feel like that's a very old school way of doing things. I have no idea. But and then I'm like, if that doesn't work, then I'm just going to go on a trip to New York City 
And I'm going to hold a poster outside their window and say, (laughs) I'm your pharmacist. Come (laughs) hire me. Yeah. And we'll see which one works unless someone has a better idea. Okay. Well, I'll challenge my my followers and my listeners right now. If you have any better ideas, please send it to me and I'll reach (laughs) out to Dr. Sherry Allen and let her know. But I I think the video, the video recording might work. Um, Because you never know, like maybe they appreciate the old school way because you never know who the bosses are. Right. So they might appreciate the the old school way of of doing things rather than trying to do something like new school. But yeah, yeah, no, I I completely agree. I mean, there's probably so many different topics that you could touch upon as a pharmacist, especially with mental health, with kind of the way um, after COVID, how everything kind of spiked when it seems to like um, patients being depressed and going through different mental health states that this would be a opportune time to have not only a physician, but also a pharmacist kind of talk about things and, and Mm -hmm. go over some of the intricacies about these medications. So that way patients can feel more comfortable about what their doctors are prescribing because it's no knock on physicians, but uh, the reality of the situation is they don't have time. (laughs) Um, There's too many patients per physician And so they don't have as much time as they would like to dedicate to a patient. And then you can kind of be a service to the nation by going up there and answering probably some of the the common questions or kind of just going over um, why we're seeing certain things or why there's certain adverse reactions with certain medications and signs to look out for and different things. And Good Morning America is a well-trusted resource to a lot of people. So I definitely think that would be an awesome experience for you. And I would love to support you getting on it. <laughs> so whatever works, whatever you need from us, let, let me know. And I'll definitely say me and my followers can, can make that happen. I just need everyone. If, if, and this is my, like putting it out in the universe. If anyone has a connection to good morning America, tell them to hire me. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? I feel yeah. like I'm hireable. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'll have to put a feeler out. I'll, we'll yeah. post we'll post later on my, on, on my story to see if anybody uh, we know works at Good Morning America because you never know you never know who you're never following. Know. Is, you never right? know like isn't that what they say with I think it's like six degrees of separation like everybody mm-hmm. knows everybody knows everybody in some kind of way so yeah. yeah so maybe we can make that happen for you and that would be a that'd be an awesome experience I'll have to tune in you'll have to post it so I know to tune in because I don't watch TV yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so I have to follow follow your uh, your socials to know like all right. 7 a.m. I'm there. Here's like a crazy true story. So my husband and I, after we got married, we went to, Mm -hmm. um, we went to New York, we did a delayed honeymoon. So we did like a short, a short honeymoon, quick trip to, um, New York city for a couple for a week. Um, and then we went to good morning America one morning just to like watch it from the window. Mm -hmm. Robin, Robin Roberts came out and she was like, just talking to the crowd or whatever. Okay. She came by us and she was like, Oh, you guys are such a beautiful couple. Like, congratulations on your marriage, all that. So in my mind, I feel like, you know, like we're related maybe, or she, she knows me now. Yeah. I feel like maybe that's my in. (laughs) Yeah, that might be it. I can remind her, like, remember five years ago when you said that we were a beautiful couple and congratulations? I feel like that makes you my aunt now. Yeah. And and I always tell people I'm real big on manifesting things. So if this is something you truly want, as long as you continue to envision it and dream it, it's going to happen. You're going to manifest it. Yes. Done. Done. It's done. It's It's done. done. All right. So now I know why. And uh, I'll make sure to 
to post something later to see if we can get some people um yeah. to see if anybody knows somebody and, I, and if somebody does that's gonna be crazy yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh whoever that person is thank you in advance yes yes thank <laughs> you in advance um okay and then for my next question i know something alex learned at the conference um i forget the name but it's the what's what, what was the name of the conference i know it was in san antonio yeah so it's cpnp college of psychiatric and neurologic pharmacists Okay. But they're thinking about changing the name. Is that correct? Yes. Don't ask me what the name is now. Okay. It's, but it's being changed to like a more, uh, I wouldn't say broad, but maybe more broad, more specific name. If okay. I look it up real quick, I, I am so horrible. I still call it CPNP, but they are changing it. Yeah. Cause I remember Alex told me that. And then I was like, I don't remember what's the old name or what's the new name. <laughs> They're but, changing it. So the new name is going to be the American Association of Psychiatric Pharmacists. American Association of Psychiatric Pharmacists. Okay. Yeah. So he went to the old name. Yeah. And that conference was in San Antonio. And something that he learned about was a 988 mental health hotline. Yeah. Which is going to be rolled out July 16th. That's something that we've already posted before on our story. And, and we'll definitely post again um, whenever this episode is released. But I kind of wanted to see if you could elaborate more on what 988 is and what are the benefits and challenges you perceive from having this new established hotline. So the good thing about so 988 is is tech, it's new, but it's technically not new. So right now there's already a national, like a national hotline. Okay. But that number right now is is it's what is it? 1 800 273 8255. So then I just want you to think about this. If you had to give that number to a patient, or if you had to, or if you needed services from them, Mm -hmm. um, is it easier for you to remember 988? Or is it easier for you to be like, okay, let me call 1-800-273. You know what I mean? So the newer number, the services already exist. You know what I mean? It's not like Mm -hmm. a brand new service. Um, but what it's going to do is like standardize across states, like just like you call 911 an emergency, no matter what state you go to, no matter where you are, same thing. Now you can dial the 988 number. Um, and what I appreciate, like the benefit is our government is pouring in more like resources. So you'll be able to have someone, um, you're going through a crisis, you'll be able to talk to a therapist. You're going to have social workers, you're going to have people who are trained to, to manage and handle and answer questions about mental health. More people are going to be available through this new, this like new rollout. So I I think it's going to be good. It's, I think the challenge is just making sure that we educate people on like what it is and how to get there and how to utilize the resources. And then I think with anything is sometimes people don't like to reach out for like mental health related things. Cause they're like, Oh, like, are they going to come to my house and arrest me? Or are they going to come and like put a lot of my patients, some, their fear sometimes is like, are they, is someone going to come and put me inpatient? Am I going to have to go to an inpatient facility, which some of a lot of them don't want that. And so I think it's just, the challenge is letting people reach out for help, encouraging them to reach out for help. 
but also trying to like destigmatize mm-hmm. the the association with like asking for help with mental with your mental health. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, so, it it does, and that kind of made me think about um, a question just now is which one I, I completely agree. First of all, like I try to write down the 1-800 number and I couldn't remember all the numbers. So I completely agree right. that 988 is just way simpler and way easier for patients to remember. Yes. Um, and also their family members too, because usually, you know, they're the ones that would, would really be the ones that, that are implementing this. But what I was wondering is, so the 988 is not a new service. This is already something that's already been in existence. It's just um, the number is changing to 988. Yes. So as far as what they do, what actually happens whenever they show up? Is it like, do you know who's part of the team? So I don't know. It's almost that I'm aware of because interestingly enough, I have never actually called it, yeah. but there that I'm aware of. It's similar to when you call 911 and you're like, Hey, here's my emergency. And then you have trained uh, responders that are like, okay, you clearly need a fire station. You clearly mm-hmm. need EMT. You clearly need like, we're going to send an ambulance out. So this is somewhat the same resource so, or same concept is I call the, the hotline number and I've got someone on the end that can say, okay, tell us what you're going through. I'm feeling suicidal. I'm feeling this. I'm going through this. I have somebody that is trying to hurt themselves. And then they're able to say, okay, here are the resources that we can get you. Let's get, let you immediately let you talk to this person. Let's get someone sent out to your home. Let's do this. So very similar concept as, as calling 911, Mm -hmm. but this is specific for mental health services. Okay. And then Looking at like an article that the Los Angeles Times posted, just want to give some stats here because it seems like this, it, it is for mental health, but a big, big um, proponent of this change was the passing of the National Suicide Designation Act of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so just, just for a little bit of background, according to the Los Angeles Times, someone dies from suicide in the United States about every 11 minutes. And that's a rate that has increased almost 30% since 2000. Mm -hmm. Okay. And suicide is the second leading cause of death among adolescents and young adults, according to 2019 data. And so this is something where they believe implementing this three digit number from the 10 digit number can really help prevent suicides and have uh, more of our adolescents and young individuals um, have a resource for them to have someone kind of come in and, and intervene and, and take them to an area um, for them to get the help that they need to prevent these suicide rates from happening. Now, what my next question is, is that for this 988 service, is it mainly for suicide or is it also for just mental health in general? So maybe like somebody in a manic episode when it comes to bipolar. I think the, 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 I'm not going to say the priority, but I think the big part of it is for suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if you call and if you do need resources for, yeah, somebody is in a man is having a manic episode right now, mm-hmm. they could, and if they are a threat to themselves or other people, still an appropriate place to still an appropriate resources resource to use. Okay. 
Okay, perfect. Yeah, because I, I think that's the main thing too, is we always want to make sure we're reaching out to the right individuals to handle whatever problems we have. And that's, you know, a common thing where we always think 911 has to go to. Yeah. Um, but that may not be the most qualified individuals to handle a person with a mental health crisis. So instead we can now dial um, 988 and that's going to be our new service hotline. So that's something that we definitely wanted to share with everybody today and kind of talk about a little bit because that's, that's big. And that's going to roll out on July 16th um, of this year. So July 16th, 2022, um, you can dial 988 for anybody with a mental health crisis. And I think it's important also to note, which this, I mean, this hopefully goes without saying it's, it is for like a crisis situation mm-hmm. and not like, I mean, again, I'm not assuming that anyone would do this, but I, just to put it out there, yeah, no, it's not please. like, it's not like, let me call and Hey, I've got a patient that's going through this. What do you think I should do? It's, are you having like nine one one? would you call nine one and say, Hey, I just wanted to get some information on what to do. If you know, someone's having a heart attack. No, you call when, unfortunately you call when you're in an emergency. So I think with, with this is just making sure that we're using it for, for genuine, like crisis. We need help right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Making sure we're we're down the number appropriately. Um, because if we're not, then possibly, I, I don't know the hotline services, but possibly there could be delayment for individuals who truly are in a crisis. So we definitely want to make sure that we're using that number appropriately. Just like Dr. Sherry Allen mentioned, we don't call 911 for everything. Yeah. So 98 just- shouldn't be called for everything, but you will know. Um, or if you feel that this is a scenario where obviously there's something serious going on, like obviously dial it. If you're unsure, I would still say still go for it. But if you feel like yeah. this is something you can ask your primary care physician about, you can go to your local retail pharmacy about, um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend dialing the number because we want to make sure that we're saving it for um, patients. Patients are people who are truly in a crisis at that yeah. time. Yes, yes. And then, okay. And then this also kind of made me think about another question. So how do you believe... Um, me being in an ambulatory care clinic, mm-hmm. um, how do you believe we can kind of incorporate more of 988 and more mental health um, resources into our daily work? Because like I said, I've noticed we've come across, we recently had a patient with um, who just had their first manic episode. They just diagnosed him with a bipolar um, disorder. So, you know, having patients with these different backgrounds, um, what do you believe is a great way to start incorporating a lot of mental health into a clinic that doesn't have it? Yeah. Um, that's an amazing question. So I think probably the easiest thing to do is if you are a healthcare provider and you're working in a clinic that doesn't necessarily, you doesn't necessarily have someone who specializes in mental health. Mm -hmm. I think at like the minimum that you should do is educate yourself on mental health. And that doesn't mean that you need to be an expert at, at treating, diagnosing any of that, but it means you need to educate yourself on what it is. What is depression? What is anxiety? Generally, how do I treat it? Um, I think the biggest thing that you can probably educate yourself on is how to recognize it and then get yourself familiar with what are the resources that are available and that are out there. 
Um, so like easy, you, my, as like a background, I told you guys, I had two children. Mm-hmm. Whenever I bring my kids into their pediatrician appointments, maybe for, I think the first like six or seven months after they were born, you go to the doctor like every day when they're first born. Um, so they would always hand me, the pediatrician would always make me feel, fill out a PHQ nine, which is assessing for depression. Um, but here's the thing. The interesting thing is they would have me fill out this PHQ nine with my first son, my oldest, I knew I had postpartum depression. I, I just knew that my second, not, you know, not so much. Thankfully I didn't experience that with my sec, my youngest son. But here's what I needed them to have done when I'm filling out this PHQ nine, which I'm pretty positive, clearly indicated that I'm, I'm experiencing depression, depressive symptoms. Now I need you to acknowledge it and help me figure out what to do with it. So for those of you that are working in a place that you don't have someone who specializes or treats mental health being able to educate yourself on being able to recognize it and then get yourself familiar with local resources, um, or national resources as well. I feel like NAMI, NAMI is a great group. There's, there's places, there are chapters in every state. There's like within each state, there's also, um, in different counties, there's NAMI chapters, my page, I feel like, again, I'm always willing to answer questions for people. So again, I think locally and nationally, just getting yourself familiar with, with what resources are available. Yeah. And, and that's a good one. And, and that's not too difficult either. It's only nine questions with the, it's the patient health questionnaire. I think it was made by Pfizer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the PHQ nine, I know they also have the PHQ two um, as well. It's a shorter version, but that's something that we could probably implement in each visit. Um, with patients. So that's a simple thing. There's that. that, There's like, there is a, there is. So what you want to look for is clinician, um, not clinician. You want to look for patient rated skills. So PHQ nine and yeah, the shorter version is PH. It's just the first two questions of that Mm -hmm. is PHQ two. Those are all patient rated. So you don't necessarily need to be trained in order to know how to give it. You just give it to the patient or ask them the questions, but we have one for anxiety. We have them for PTSD. We have them for substance abuse, all patient rated skills. So I think, Mm. I think it should be good practice to you're seeing as someone that's coming in, you're treating them for pain, for diabetes, for hypertension. Also ask them about their mental health. And then if you're able to, if you don't just at the least, just ask them how are like, how are you doing? Especially this. I mean, think about it. If you Mm -hmm. have somebody and they're newly diagnosed with diabetes, or maybe they're not newly diagnosed, maybe they were taking oral medications. And now all of a sudden they have to start taking injections and they're going to be on so many shots per whatever per day. Mm -hmm. I mean, for some people, are they like, all right, cool. No problem. Let's do it. Or some people like, man, like, man, I actually don't really want to go through this. I don't want to do this. Um, so what people need to realize is our physical health and our mental health go hand in hand. Mm. And so I think it just does us, it does us, it's a good service to make sure that we're inquiring about someone's mental health. And then a step further is making sure that we know now that you told me you're depressed, here's what I'm going to do with that information. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and I know just speaking personally, we have like a lot of um, surgeries that mm-hmm. happen at the hospital that I work at. So a lot of postcardiovascular surgical patients usually express symptoms of, of depression. You know, usually in order to be diagnosed, you have to, I believe it was what, five out of the nine um, of the symptoms. But that's something where it's like they use you're in a depressed state. You know, you've been feeling fine now. I don't know where you have a heart attack, um, you have a STEMI, or maybe you need to have an open heart surgery and different things like that. And that's expected, right? And that's something that you can kind of assess their mental health over time to see mm-hmm. is it well, because like you said, that's health is wealth, right? And it's not just are the labs fine? It's like, how is their mental health as well? Because that plays a big part in how the body responds to things. Yeah. If they're not able to, um, a big problem we have with some patients is if their mental health isn't well, then they don't want to move around. They're supposed to be walking. They're supposed to go to physical therapy or, or cardiac rehab. Yeah. Whatever you want to define it. And it's like, if you're not going, like you're not doing the necessary things to build your heart strength back. And then now you're just going to be in an even worse situation um, because you're not taking the necessary steps because you've been depressed. So that's something that I could see that we probably implement um, PHQ2, PHQ9. And then I didn't, um, I didn't realize that they had other patient health questionnaires for anxiety and also substance abuse. So that's something that we could probably implement too. Um, So it's like, I think it's the GAD7. I just looked it up. Yeah. GAD7 is for anxiety. A simple cage questionnaire. You can do that one for, you can change it to any substance that you want to. Okay. Um, and again, the, the big thing to know that is like, let's say that you do a GAD7. I think the highest score is 21. It's, it's not like if they get a whatever, if they get a 21, Mm -hmm. they still, they still do need to be recommended to go to a psychiatrist to get, or someone that's able to officially like diagnose. So it's important to know, like these, these patient rated skills are not, this is not diagnosing you, Mm -hmm. but if you came back and you had, you did a GAD seven and your score was like 15, 16, 17, whatever. If it, I mean, if it, it was just, if it was positive in any way, I'm not going to say like, okay, well, I can't do anything about it until you get official diagnosis. No, like I'm, I'm, that is enough for me to say, okay, let's look more into this. Let's get additional mm-hmm. help. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I think that's also a key thing that we're not diagnosing the patients where we can yeah. assist with um, helping physicians realize the diagnosis because they may not have seen the patient in a while. So you can always contact a physician and let them know um, we have different methods where, where we work through um, our electronic health record, where we can contact the physicians and kind of let them know like, Hey, this patient's been going through this and we could see if they saw or no or not and things like that. So that way they might, instead of an annual visit, they might kind of um, have a visit a little bit sooner to kind of diagnose the patient and see how that patient's doing or mm-hmm. refer to a psychiatrist, like you said. And I think I know a big thing I always try to recommend is therapy. Um, that's something that we could always recommend to patients too. You know, they don't have to, you don't have to have a mental health, um, issue in order, or I don't want to say issue, but you don't have to have any mental health, um, diseases or anything like that to where you need to have a therapist, you know, or have somebody to talk to. I think the evidence has been shown the benefit of cognitive behavioral therapy. So Mm -hmm. having someone, whether it's counseling or a therapist, having someone to talk to could also be beneficial, um, to kind of assist in the diagnosis of how that patient is doing. Yeah. 
I mean, think about it. I, I, I really think that we have to get more comfortable with talking about our feelings and our thoughts and things. Mm -hmm. Like if you go to a therapist, it doesn't mean, it does not have to mean that I'm going to a therapist because I'm so anxious or I'm so depressed or I hear things, see things. I, I, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to mean that it could mean, Hey, I'm a student. I'm a new PGY one resident. Like it is stressful. I just, I need to talk to someone that's going to be able to help me like come up with coping skills, help me to like navigate this new place that I'm in in life. So, you know, and like saying I'm, I am a new mom. Now I got to figure out, I just need someone to help me like navigate this. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going, that you're going through something. Like you have yeah. a diagnosis of something. It just means, look, mental health is health. Like, would you ever recommend someone? Would you say, no, don't start walking and looking after your diet until you have hyperlipidemia. Like Mm -hmm. when you have high cholesterol, that's when I want you to start working out and watching your diet. Yeah. No, like you should probably be doing that before, right? Mm -hmm. Same concept when it comes to mental health, your mental health care, self-care doing things like talking to someone, getting outside and getting some sunshine, like all of those things may not necessarily prevent it from ever happening, but it's all like a part of preventative care to me. It's all a part of, 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 of care. I completely agree. And putting you on the spot here, mm-hmm. uh, do you have like any recommendations? Cause I, sometimes I hear like, Oh, I don't know if I want to talk to anybody. I don't know if I want to do, if I have the money for this or that, do you have like any resources besides maybe talking to someone or any tips, uh, some activities or different things that someone can kind of do to help improve their mental health? If you're in a place, so I've 1000% will, will always direct people to NAMI.org. So it's NAMI.org. And the reason for that is because you don't necessarily have to talk to someone, but they have, they're an amazing resource for caregivers for patients, um, good, like just good resources on things that you can read yourself. If you need help, or if you need help finding someone, you could always go that route as well. Some people, um, there are also is a group called a page called therapy. I think it's therapy for black girls. The reason why I mentioned that is because there are people that are It has been shown that in the minority population, we don't go seek mental health care. And one of the reasons for that is because there's nobody that looks like me Mm -hmm. in order when I'm trying to go seek this help. Um, So I love therapy for black girls is a site that has um, it has a directory of of people that look like that look like you, people that look like me a resource that I can go to and say, all right, this therapist looks like me. This therapist speaks the same language as I do this therapist. You know what I mean? Yep. So that way I can talk to someone that I'm, that I might feel more comfortable with. Um, and then let's just say, I, I wouldn't, if you genuinely do need more help, I would always push that, but I feel like simple activities that you could do. And I think males and females should get into this journaling. Like mm, okay. One, one thing that I tell some of my patients to do is 
a lot of times they'll say like, oh, I can't get to sleep at night very well because I sit there in the bed and I'm so anxious and I'm thinking about all of the things that are going on and da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, here's what I want you to do. What I want you to have, like, I want you to journal before bed. I want you to just take a, take a notebook, take paper, whatever it is, write down every single thought that's in your head, just get it out of your head, put it on paper and then try and go to bed. So I think too, as pharmacists, as healthcare professionals, that's another thing. New students, new practitioners, a lot of them are very big on like, oh, like this patient's coming to me, like with anxiety before bed, we got to start this med and we got to start this and we got to start that. We got to start all these new medications. Yeah. Tap into your non-pharmacologic stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe your patient, they might need a medication and if they do cool, let's start it. But maybe they also need to write down their thoughts before bedtime mm-hmm. because getting it out of their head and onto paper. So that way that it relieves some of the anxiety. So I think we have to be thinking about not just medications. We have to think about non-pharmacologic things as well. Definitely. And I think that's an important point for all of us to remember practicing pharmacists, pharmacy students, um, anybody interested in working in the healthcare profession is before we go to medications, we should always consider non-farm. And I don't, I don't think it's like a gap in, in, in teaching. Cause I, I know professors did express that, but it's like a lot of our courses are focused on the medication aspect. Cause we need to learn that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something where as whether it's a preceptor or as a practicing pharmacist, whatever, that's something we need to really bring up a lot more is mm-hmm. we have all these non-farm opportunities to start with first before we put somebody on medication, you know, even for blood pressure, you'll see they recommend, let's try diet, let's try exercise, let's try different things, maybe a little less caffeine, maybe, you know, a lot of different things that you can do um, to see if we can change things naturally before we just put you on a medication. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes lifestyle habits or lifestyle, um, sometimes the lifestyle is really the problem. And it's like, we could treat it with a medication. Yes. But if you also ate better, maybe exercise, maybe, um, started journaling, expressing mm-hmm. your thoughts, um, letting go of certain things through journaling, or maybe venting to somebody talking to a counselor or a therapist, maybe you realize that your body feels a lot better. And yeah. that kind of ties into the whole, um, health is wealth. Cause it's not just about taking medications. It's also about what is your physical health? What is your mental health? What is your nutrition? What is, um, are you exercising? All these different components play a big part in the type of health that you'll have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. I love that you said when someone has diet or when someone has hypertension, we talk about diet and exercise. Same, yeah. same. I think, um, it's just the same concept that, Again, medications, great. They do great things. They're helpful. But Mm -hmm. we also have to think about the example that I give some of our students. Um, Again, I I focus, my clinic is mainly mental health, but for some reason, I remember giving this example to students is, or maybe some patients is let's pretend that you have diabetes, right? It doesn't matter how much medication, how many medications I give you if you're still eating a crap diet, mm-hmm. sedentary lifestyle, 
the, it it doesn't matter. Like yeah. meds are going to help ish, but yeah. what's really going to help you is continuing to like diet exercise plus meds. Same thing with mental health. I tell patients every day, these medications can help you, but you know what, you know what this medication is not going to do. It's not going to make it so that, you know, your life situation is different. It's not going to change what's the dynamics of your household. It's not going to change the fact that you have to go take tests at school. It's not going to change like the situation itself. What's really going to help you to get through that situation and that dynamic at home is therapy. A therapist is going to help you. So to me, therapy plus meds is, is a better combination than only relying on medications to help like a certain situation. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's something that um, is definitely important. I think that we should all be considering whenever we're, we're counseling patients on what they should be doing. It's like, Hey, yes, you should be taking your medications, but you should also be attending to these non-pharmacological recommendations as well to, to improve your health overall. Yes, definitely. And then I'm currently actually on, I pulled up the website, NAMI.org. And just for, um, I know some people are stats people. So according to NAMI.org, which is the national Alliance on mental illness, one in five American adults experience some form of mental illness in any given year. And across the population, one in every 20 adults is living with a serious mental health condition, such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or long-term recurring major depression. So this is something that's probably more common than a lot of us thought. I didn't, I didn't think the numbers were that high um, or that common, I should say, but this is something that is very common. You'll probably come across this through your patients. So definitely, definitely um, really try to come up with some non-pharmacological recommendations. Definitely look at NAMI.org and some of the resources that they have here. They even have a whole process on how to find a mental health professional, a step-by-step process. So having these resources available, maybe having like a printout, um, like I know we do for our tobacco um, patients that are interested in, in, in possibly quitting down the line, we always try to give them a handout um, referring to uh, um, the, oh, now I'm losing the name, um, but AHEC with uh, their Tobacco-Free Florida campaign. So we always try to give them handouts. Maybe there's something too that uh, people can can kind of print out and, and create a handout for NAMI.org um, to hand some of your patients. Yeah, 